Welcome to the Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, what's up, dude? We just had our conference in Austin, and that was amazing. For any of you guys that uh, that didn't join, hit us up for the recording. I think it's 99 bucks for the recording or so, so you guys can, can have access to that. But today we have Kayla. Diego, her growth is amazing, and I know she uses the burst strategy. Now, everyone who listens here knows that I'm uh, more on the HELOC strategy, but I think she uses it in a perfect way. I think there is certain uh, ways to use the burst strategy. I think she's up to like 40 doors in two years. Astronomical growth. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed just hear, hearing her story and how she's partners up with other people so that she doesn't even have any money into the deal to when she buys it and then when she does a birth strategy. So yeah, I'm excited to, to let the audience learn more about that. Absolutely. But before we bring Kayla in, uh, let's just give a quick shout out to REI Call Center. So over at REI Call Center, if you're a wholesaler, if you're a realtor, uh, they have cold callers where they can cold call a certain city for you. Um, and they can get you some really hot leads. So if you're interested in that, just go to reicallcenter.com. All right, without any other further ado, let's get Kayla in here. Diego, Kayla, what's up, guys? I'm so excited about today's episode here at the Rat Race to Five podcast. Kayla, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, how are you crushing it in real estate? My name's Kayla. Um, we are buy and hold real estate investors in upstate New York. We live in Rochester, my hometown. Nice. And uh, we we buy. You know, we do the, the typical Burr method of uh, yeah. buy, rent, refinance. So give us a 30,000 for view. What, how many doors do you have? What do you do for a living? And then I'm going to dig into that a little. Okay. So the 30,000 foot view is we started about two years ago. We have 40 doors now and we wow. have 10 more under contract that should be closing in the next three months or so. Wow. So I'm assuming you just grew up. Yeah, that's wild. So where are you, uh, where are you investing at? What city did you say? Rochester, New York. Okay. Awesome. So before we dig into like the numbers and all, how you get all the doors and how you're finding the deals. Cause like everyone's saying there's no deals right now. Um, how, how are you in, give us a little bit more backstory. Give us, give us your high school and your college years. How was that? Like, uh, what click did you hang out with and all that? I was a total theater nerd in <laughs> high school. Uh, and in college, I went to college for it. So, oh, wow. uh, yep. So I, I did the stage management. So it's like, you know, the person backstage with the clipboard and so ill-suited to my personality, but you know, little Kayla had no idea yet. Um, so then I, I went to school, I have a bachelor of fine arts in theater management. And I, I did that for about a year after I, uh, I got out of college and then I, that's when it finally clicked for me that like, this is just not the life that I want for myself and my family. Like, this isn't going to work. We're going to have to do something else. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what led to real estate. So what, so what is so someone that goes to college for theater? This might be a dumb question, but do they just go get a job in theater? Like, how does that work? I have no, I have no idea. Yeah, so I, I did the backstage side of things. So when, when you first get out of college for doing technical theater, it's very um, sweat equity. 
after that. So lots of unpaid internships or very minimally, minimally paid internships. And you have to be near a major city. Um, you know, you have to be in New York City, Chicago, L.A., um, maybe San Francisco, but you've, you've got to be in one of those major hubs and you're making very little money and it's nights and weekends work, right? Because that's when the shows are. Um, or even if you're doing the events side of things, you know, events happen at night. Um, so maybe you prep hard for, for two 12 hour days and then you do a nighttime event. And I was just thinking to myself, I think I was 21 or so at the time, like this is not conducive to having a family. This is, you know, I thought about what I, what I wanted to do for work when I picked what I, what I wanted to go to school for, but I didn't think about what I wanted my lifestyle to look like. And these are conversations that I'm having with my little brother now. And like, you know, think about what you want to do, but also think about what you want your life to look like day to day. Oh, that's huge. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, that's huge. A lot of people maybe know what they want to do, but they don't think about work or life outside of work. Like we're kind of like given this dream of like, oh, this is what you want to do with your life. But it really should be said, this is what you want to do for work. But kind of like you said, Kayla, uh, it's like, well, what do you want your life to look at? I don't remember what mentor of Diego said this because he said it a couple of times. But like you build your life and then your work has to fit in. If it doesn't fit in, you're going to have a different like you need to have a different job, right? You don't want to build your your life or your work around your life. It needs to be the other way around. Like, what is it that you want your life to look at? That's fantastic advice. So going forward, you found out, Kayla, was there like a turning point where you like sitting on stage and you were like, screw this. And you threw your clipboard down and said, I'm going to go do something else. Or like, what was that tipping point? I think the tipping point was just, I started to figure out what my true personality was more as I got older, you know, I, like that. I I think I had adapted my personality as a young person into what I thought that I should do. I thought that I should be very organized and very system driven and very polite and very um, quiet. And, and then as I got a little bit older, you know, I went to school for stage management. They're in the background. They're quiet. They are paperwork driven. I have ADHD and executive function disorder. Yeah. That's not going to work for me. So I just, (laughs) you know, as I got older, I was like, I'm just, I need to embrace who I am and find something that fits with my natural skills and my natural abilities and and go in that direction. So for me, it's like numbers, results, um, goals that I can, that are tangible, measurable and achievable. So real estate fit really well into that for me and I could drive it myself um, and kind of have more flexibility of hours and lifestyle so that looked really attractive to me in the beginning. And I went and got my license to be a real estate agent at first. Mm, cool, cool, cool. So you started then working as, a, as an extra income, right? Because that's exactly what I did too. I got, mm-hmm. uh, I, I used to be a software developer and I was like, you know what? I want to make some extra income too. So I got my license. Um, how, how long were you a realtor before you started investing? So I I worked as a realtor for about just under a year, maybe. And then I started listing rentals and flips for a house flipping company down near Mm. New York City. Love it. That's where I was living at the time. Um, And then I started doing a little bit more with them. And then I would do a little bit more. So I would list their rentals. Then I would list their flips. Then I would go check on the contractor. And then, you know, maybe I would check on an order at the building supplier and then Eventually, I came on full time with them as their operations manager for about three years, um, mm-hmm. managing their flips and underwriting. 
Cool. So, so that's kind of how you got your first taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what really, you know, sparked the the desire to go into real estate investing. So then you worked there for, for, for three years. And at what point that you were there where you're like, you know what, I think I'm ready. I'm ready to pull the trigger on something for me, not just helping other people flip or make their money. I was, I was doing a lot of, you know, reading and listening to podcasts like this one at the time and just kind of self-educating and learning more about it. And the more that I learned, the more I realized that the long-term wealth is in holding. You mm-hmm. make the money when you buy, right? Yes. And so if you can hold on to it, for me at least, that's, that's where the value comes in. And, and I loved flipping. Flipping is like, that's so much hotter than, than buy and hold, right? Like you get to go, you get to finish things to the highest level a lot of the time. Um, you know, put in the fancy staging furniture, take the nice, pretty pictures. But for me, the, the numbers just made so much more sense on the buy and hold. Um, so after a few years, once I started to feel really comfortable with the numbers, really comfortable with the product, I was really feeling a desire to be closer to my family again. Um, I was spending all of my vacation time and this comes into like lifestyle design again, like we were talking about before I was spending all of my vacation time going home to see my family. So I was like, well, if I just lived near my family, (laughs) then I could spend my vacation time actually going on vacation. So I decided to, you know, move back up to Rochester and make it work and start buying my own properties. So tell us how you got your first property and how you got hooked. So you do the burst strategy, which is how you're scaling. Um, so give us those numbers, how you got that first deal, how it hooked you and how you are where you are now. Okay. So my first deal was a single family house. Um, I had spent a lot of time networking in with local investors and I had a local investor who had way more doors than I do even now who said, um, you know, it seems like you really want to do this. Let's, let's do a partnership. So we found a house, um, found a lender, it's $35,000 single family house, and it was rented for $800 at the time. Uh, but the market went around that time was probably around a thousand dollars. So there was upside for the rent and the tenant had been there for about 10 years. Um, so we bought that there was no renovation because the tenant was already in place and, We held that for just about two years. We just sold that one, actually. So we just sold it for $75,000. You double your money too. Yeah. And the same tenant was still in place. We had only raised them to $750, sorry, $850, because then COVID hit and we really didn't feel, we didn't do any rent raises during COVID. We just didn't feel right about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we sold it with the tenant in place about two years later. And I wouldn't have sold it at all, but we decided, you know, that was the only one we held in that partnership and we were kind of doing different things. So we said, let's just sell it and uh, roll it into some more projects. Cool, cool. Did you do a 1031 exchange on that or did you just take out the profits and put it into your projects? We did not do a 1031 exchange on that. Just the the paperwork and the logistics involved after we mm-hmm. sold the profit for that amount wasn't wasn't quite worth it. Hopefully I can do one of those in the future. Yeah. So Kayla, you got the first one and now you've even tasted a little bit of the cash from that one. I actually recently just sold my least cash flow performing most equity asset that I had in my portfolio. Just took the money out. Um, I'm going to reposition that into a, um, an apartment complex that I'm buying with Diego. But 
what what did it look like from there like do you obviously you caught the bug you bought that first one you went into partnerships are you in partnerships with all of your doors mm. now are you buying them independently kind of give us now the story of your nuts and bolts in your in your properties so we're in partnerships with almost all of our doors and i should say my whole business same is here with my husband um so i don't you know he he's really really good at the systems and processes and and the spreadsheets and the numbers and he's a great integrator right um and i am not so that works out well um, but after that, we put two doors, sorry, two properties under contract in a package deal. It was a three family and a two family. And I'm still a little bitter about that one because we got about two weeks from the closing table and the seller backed out and decided, uh, yep, he saw market appreciation coming and he was just going to hold on to him. And no I think, way. yeah, I had the three family under contract for about 45,000. And I just got a notification on my phone yesterday that it's back on the market for 90,000 now. So wow, little, little sad about that one, but we moved, we moved right on. And then uh, I, I don't even remember which one we bought after that. Oh, the next one we bought was a duplex. So we, we did mm. the single family, then we bought a duplex um, and that one we still have and it's rented and it's great. Uh, and then we just kept going from there. We, we typically buy one-offs or maybe two to three properties at a time in a package. How are you funding? We use hard money. Okay, so you're using, so give us your strategy on how you're funding these deals. Sure, so um, we use hard money, which as you know, is, is very expensive. So we Always. buy the property with hard money. Um, our partners bring the gap in the capital. So whatever the rest of the total project cost is, um, not just for the purchase price, but also for the rehab, the holding costs and the closing costs. Um, and then we look to refinance out the total project cost as soon as possible. So usually that's in anywhere from six to 12 months, depending on how long it takes to stabilize. So you or your husband must have a great job to be able to refinance this or how are you doing? Or are you just, did you find a bank that's just going equitable on the property? What, how's the refi process? Yeah. So actually my husband and I both do this full time. So we do not have great W2 income to rely on, which I know is like, a thank you for saying that because everyone is listening is going to be like, oh, they must make quarter million dollars each a year so they can refinance everything. I thank you so much for saying you're full time. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, we realized early on that refinancing was gonna be tough, right? Like it was gonna be a roadblock, but we're like, like yeah. all roadblocks, we're just gonna find a way around it. So yeah. we do commercial loans instead of residential loans. There mm. are pros and cons to that, obviously. Commercial loans are a little bit shorter amortization. They usually have an adjustable rate um, and they are usually a little bit lower on the LTV. But yeah. we are able to refinance at 75% with a 25-year amortization, and we just closed a refi that was 12 of our properties in one refinance. Yeah, so you're able to pay back your hard money. So for those that are listening, and Kayla, tell me if any of this is wrong. You're finding properties, I'm assuming uh, either off-market, on-market, but you're finding them, um, you're funding them, sorry, with hard money. You find a partner for the gap. So let's say it's a $100,000 property. You will get private money for 70000 and then for the rehab and the rest of the purchase comes from your business partner. Uh, so you're putting it in both your names, you got liens on them, and then you rehab the property, you get it where it needs to go, then you are renting those properties out. Once it's rented out, you take it to a commercial broker, lender, or bank, 
that will refinance the property. You're going to pay off your hard money and then your partner and then you keep the property scot-free or are you keeping your business partners as part of the on, on the on the on the title? Nope, our partners stay in. Okay, so yep. so they, well, they have so a minority right. equity position, but they they stay in and their money comes back and comes back because who wouldn't want to have all their money back and have infinite return? Yeah, no, you're 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 like you're like a golden nugget as a as a investor, like anyone would want to give you money. And if you structure your business that way, Kayla, you're going to continue to always have money to fund deals. You're going to have, I'm assuming 80, 90% that you're giving them 10, 15 or however you guys structure that. But for those that are listening, this is, she's doing basically a perfect burr. She's finding deals. You're getting a lender to come in and do 70%, 75%. You get somebody with a little bit of money, a private money lender, and you tell them the opportunity that you have. Look, I have a property that's already 75% funded. If you can fund 25% plus the rehab, we're gonna refinance with the bank. The bank's gonna give me uh, our money. We're gonna pay pay you back. We're gonna pay the lend the hard money lender back. You're gonna keep equitable stake in the property with none of your money after we after we refinance. And then we're just gonna keep going and going. We're gonna put your money to work for you and I'm gonna be the one managing that property or that money for you, right? So you're making them a return. You're getting them assets that cash flow. It, it, it's a win-win. Kayla, is that, am I hearing that right? Is that exactly what you're doing? That's exactly what we're doing. The The only thing is every once in a while, we come across something that's not a perfect bar, Yeah. but it's still the right play for us to buy it. So we mm-hmm. will still buy something that we know is not going to be a perfect bar. And then after the refinance, we'll give a preferred return to our investor so that they're, we're cash flowing out whatever is left of their equity um, before anybody gets any return on the project. Now, last question, and then I'll pass it over to Diego. How are you finding these assets? So we we have two under two, as you know. We don't have an unlimited amount of time, and we're, we're it's just my husband and I that are operating the business. So we don't do direct to seller, which I know is like really controversial yeah. for people. Um, okay. But we we have a huge network of wholesalers that we rely on. Um, so every day we're getting you know calls, texts, emails from wholesalers in our market. And that's how we find the majority of our deals. Very occasionally we'll buy something on market, but the majority of our deals come from wholesalers. Okay, so let me give the sauce here. For those that are listening, I'm huge on actionable steps, Kayla. I I love mindset people, but I also dislike when I hear a podcast and it's like this huge run on great story of like how big my, my rental portfolio is but there's no action there. Like, okay, how like, do you, you do it? You didn't actually though? say anything. Yeah, you just told me how big your head is. Like, I don't care. So I love that you're going deep and we appreciate that. You get your deals from wholesalers. So I'm assuming you networked with wholesalers at REI events or Facebook, or you put yourself out there that you're looking for deals. You then use hard money to fund those deals, private money to fund the gap. Then you rehab, re-rent, and then you refinance the property with a commercial loan. And then you pay everyone back. You and your partners keep the asset, keep it moving, keep it pushing, buy the next one. See, that's it. I don't, I don't know why people pay thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to join a mastermind to learn how to do what you just explained in 17 minutes, which is fantastic. We're like the most boring investors because <laughs> we, do, we do one thing, right? Like that was a decision we made really early on. We're going to do one thing and we're going to perfect it. And once, once we get, well, maybe not perfect it, right? <laughs> Progress over perfection, but sure. we're going to get really good at that before we try to do anything else. Kayla, I bet your next step is going to be finding your own deals. Because then you're going to be able to get even better margins if you hire yourself a cold caller or if you hire, like if you become your own wholesaler, if that makes sense, but really just like targeted towards your niche list 
and uh, you know, you bring in, so let me give you an example, Kayla. Uh, we have a buddy, his name is Adam. He bought four properties in Georgia, uh, but he only purchased with his money three of them. The fourth one he found at 20% discount and the lender was able to wrap all four of them into refinance. So he only really bought three, got four houses because he found the fourth one with 20% equity already in it. So they were like, oh, it's worth 100,000 and he only, he had it in contract for let's say 75. So he's like, we'll just wrap it all together into a, a portfolio of four. Uh, and we'll we'll give you that fourth one kind of like in there because it already has equity. Um, so I bet that that might be your next step, finding your own deals. Yeah, that is definitely going to be a part of our next step. We've got a couple things slated. What is your next step, if you want to tell us? So we're looking to go out of state for our next step into nice. small multifamily in like the six to 30 unit space. Oh, awesome. Nice. Where do you want to buy? We're looking at a couple different states right now. I, I'm one of those people that I, I like to be able to drive to it in a day and touch it. I just, it gives me a level of comfort that maybe someday I'll outgrow, but right now. <laughs> She'll outgrow that, right, Diego? Hmm? She'll out, she, she will outgrow that, right, Diego? Yeah, for sure. Diego, what's the address at our property in Nashville? It's in Antioch. That's all I know. <laughs> it's in Antioch. I haven't even seen it yet. I haven't even seen it. I know. It's so One good. Day. I get cash flow, so and I and, and I still have to pay myself for this month, Felipe. But yeah, you haven't paid <laughs> that's so funny. Okay, Kayla. So you obviously you burn. I love your strategy. Like you said, it's it's not that it's boring. It's just that it's something that you want to master or at least get good at enough to where you can just continue doing that. And we know a lot of investors actually that are not like Instagram famous or aren't posting every single check they make. But I do because I have a social media platform and I have to like try to continue to keep engagement. But like I know people that do that exact same thing their whole life. They'll be 60. You know, they have tons of doors and they just did exactly what you did. And they just let the appreciation and the cash flow stack up. Yeah. While and they in were about young, 30 they years or, or in 25 years, then you have a like you have a 30 or a hundred doors paid off yeah. and then you can just live off the cash flow fully. So now you, you mentioned earlier, Kayla, that uh, you just refinance a total of 12 doors or like 11 doors at once as a, as, as a cash out refinance or something. But was that all of those within the same LLC with the same partner or mm -hmm. was the bank able to give you all of that with different partners? Oh yeah. What was the structure? Yeah, those doors were all with the same partner. I think they were split over two different LLCs, but they were the okay. same partnership structure for both LLCs. Interesting. And the same investor. Yep. So and have you, you found... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, so, the, so then does the investor get their money back and then they put it back to work with you? Or how, how does the structure work? Asking that's, for a friend. That's the ideal scenario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah, the the investor... <laughs> in this case, the investor put the money right back in. Yep. Okay. Put the money right back in. And I believe that's some of the money that we just used to close the six doors that we just, um, that I talked about in the beginning. Cool. And, and you manage the properties yourself too, since you're in the area? So we do self-manage currently. We have an admin assistant that helps with like key copying and bookkeeping and little things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. We are working on automating our systems a little bit more. So that's something we're, we're always in progress, I think. And um, we just started using a, a few things to make things a little bit more automated, but we're gonna try and step out of that role a little bit more so we can grow a little bit quicker going forward. Quicker? You wanna go faster? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> that's hilarious. 
So Kayla, what role do you play versus what role does your husband play? Because a lot of people are going to wonder, like, how are they not at each other's throat and how are they still married after two years of buying a bunch of properties? It so, depends on the day, you know? No, okay. <laughs> no just kidding. No, um, I do what I, I want and he does what I tell him to. It's easy. This is great. <laughs> exactly. No. I get it. <laughs> Um, my husband is, is a, is a really good integrator, really good manager. Um, he has a military background, so he's very, um, he likes his systems. He likes his processes. He likes building out the org structure of our company and, you know, helping people be really empowered in whatever role they're filling. He's, he's very good at all of that. I am very not good at all of that, which works out really well for us. Um, I'm very good at, you know, finding new acquisitions, analyzing the deals, thinking, you know, new markets that we might want to go into, building the relationships. I manage the projects and manage the contractors, the planning, um, all of that side of things. So I think just by having really defined roles and we just don't step on each other's toes, you know, <laughs> that's, that's how we're still married after two years of buying properties together, I think, is that we both stay in our lanes. That's good. That's good. That's interesting because I know a lot of people that are listening um, either have partnerships or in partnerships like husband and wife, or they're trying to get their spouse on board. So I guess I should have asked this earlier and then we'll move on. Was it you that was more interested in real estate or was it him and then vice versa? And then how did you guys get each other or the person that was interested? How did you get the other spouse involved as well or like convinced or educated, whatever you want to call it? So people are going to think we're total nerds, but like one of the first <laughs> things we bonded over was real estate. So there was no... Uh -huh. There was no convincing, luckily. I think I was a little bit more like, let's build an empire tomorrow than he was maybe. Um, but he got on board pretty quick. So luckily we were both into it. Um, he was working an IT job in the beginning of our business. Uh, but once we started growing at a decent pace, he, he quit that job fairly early in our business. Right. Cool. Cool. And so the money that you guys are making now from, from, from your property, since you're doing this full time with like the management fees and everything, um, that is how, that's how you guys have your, your lifestyle now. Yeah. So in the beginning, there was definitely a buildup. We had some money in savings um, and we made a decision that instead of taking that money and investing it into one property, we were going to take that money and use it to pay ourselves slowly over time while we were building our business. So that's mm -hmm. definitely a little bit of a risky strategy and it's not right for everybody. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody, but it worked out for us and it allowed us to scale at a pace where we could focus on our business full time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And when you talk to a partner, um, like coming, since you guys are managing the properties, do you guys take a percentage from the top and then you pay yourselves as owners or, or, or what is that structure? So this is something that we learned our lesson on uh, not too long ago. Don't forget to pay yourself in the beginning. <laughs> um, so, you know, cash flow when you first buy the property is not great. Obviously, you're in a repositioning period. You have to take management fees. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, if you have to change your equity structure or whatever, you have to work out with your partner to make that happen. You have to take management fees to make it a sustainable model so yes now we do take management fees okay cool i was just nice. wondering yeah so kayla what's next uh it sounds like you and your husband kind of got a system down um and what it, actually i'm so sorry i forgot to ask so the rehab this is one that i was questioning about because i know people are going to want to know so do you manage the rehab how does the rehab work how do you find contractors 
Um, how does all that work? Yeah, I manage the rehab. Um, I'm lucky that I had a little bit of a background doing it for the house flipping company for, that I for was the house flipping. For. Yeah. So that's where I learned a ton. But even if you don't have that kind of background, where I learned even before that was following home inspectors around home inspections. Experienced real estate agents do not want to do their own home inspections. They are busy going and meeting new clients and doing all of that. So as a new agent, I'd say, I'll go do your home inspections for free. I'll take your client to the home inspection, open the door, and I will follow the home inspector around like a puppy and take notes on everything he's telling me. So that's how I learned about running the rehabs. Um, so yeah, I do that. We sub out most of the specialty work, I would say. And then we hire a general crew for the finish work. So that's our current structure. How do we find contractors? Network. Um, I'm constantly talking to other investors. If I hear an investor who's selling their portfolio and I know they're not going to need a contractor anymore, I'm going to talk to that guy I'm on all of the, you know, internet, Facebook, social groups. We're just, we're constantly trying new people. Um, the labor shortage is real up here. It's definitely something that's, that's going on. It's gotten a little bit tougher recently, but we're still chugging along. Nice. I love that because I know a lot of people like that's kind of like one of their fears in regards to the birth strategy is like, well, where am I going to find the contractors? We're going to this. I think that's a great strategy. Like you said, maybe see if you can tag along with a home inspector or talk to a realtor and see if you can show up for that. That'd be a great way to like kind of learn a little bit of the ins and outs of how it works or at least getting your feet wet so that you're not scared. Just kind of watch someone else do it. I think that's great. So my follow up question was, what's next? Like, it sounds like you have your systems down. You said you kind of want to go out of state. Um, and, and, and in regards to that, how are you building your team out of state? Like, what does the vision look like for Kayla uh, going forward? We are working on automating our systems here a little bit more to free up some of our time so that we can focus out of state. Because obviously if we're managing rehabs and, and management and all of that day to day, that eats up a lot of time. So mm -hmm. for 2022, it's a little bit of a repositioning period for us. We're gonna try to remove ourselves a little bit more from the day to day operations so that we can start building those networks, participating in coaching that we need to, you know, get to the next level and, and focus our time more on the out of state. The, the reason out of state for us, the returns in my market are phenomenal. When I talk to other investors across the country, they're really, really great. The landlord tenant laws here are something to be contended with. I mean, they are, they're just different than anywhere else in the country. So right. that's why we're looking out of state. It's a little bit forced hand by the state of New York, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited for it because it, it's gonna it's gonna force us to put the systems in place from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Got and it. to find yeah. the right team and everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah. I bet you that if we, um, I bet you that at the end of 2022, you're definitely gonna be in the hundreds of doors if you go <laughs> through the whole, because um, if you do buy like, two more prop two properties that are 15 units or 20 units plus the 10 that you already have on the contract for 2022 plus all of the other stuff i think you're going to have an amazing amazing 2022 thank you now are you still a realtor i still hold my real estate license um i don't really use it at this point but i keep it because i like access to the mls oh for sure and then do you use it to do your own deals or when we buy on market, sometimes I do my own deals, but, but a lot of more often I will, you know, go to the listing agent directly and say, Hey, I'm mm -hmm. a realtor, but don't, you know, don't worry about it. We'll use you and yeah. kind of try to get the deal done that way. No, I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
So what would you tell a newbie investor that's getting started and is like, man, I love Kayla's strategy. I don't have a lot of money, but I have time and I'm super smart. What would you say is like top three things that you think they should like start doing now or educating themselves on or to get their feet wet? Like how do you, how do I become Kayla in the next 12, 2022? <laughs> I mean, the, so a confused mind says no. I love that saying. So like educate that. yourself because the more confident you feel about yourself and the strategy, the more your brain's going to say, yes, this is what we, this is what we need Got to it. do. Um, so the first step would be education for sure. The second step would be find a partner or a mentor. I mean, that's, that's how I got started was, was through a partnership and why that partnership was created is because I was networking with people and looking to bring value to their business. So maybe you don't have a ton of money, but you have a lot of time and you've done all of this self-education now. So you can go to an experienced investor who has a lot of time and, or sorry, who has a lot of money, but doesn't have a lot of time and you can create a win-win situation there. And the third thing I would say is just persistence um, and consistency over intensity. So it has to be something you can sustain. I see a lot of, you know, brand new people will go out and they're like, they'll make 20 offers and not get any accepted um, or they're going to make all of these cold calls and none of it's going to work. It's going to take time to build up. And so that whatever consistent level of effort that you can commit to sustaining over a long period of time, that's going to be the, the right level of effort for you at the position that you're at. Oh. Yeah. I like that. Networking is huge. Um, Kayla, how did you find good wholesalers? Cause I know there's a lot of sharks out there. How did you narrow through that? Like that whole ocean of sharks to find the right wholesaler for you? Um, and what are some tips and tricks you would give other people? Yeah. So, I mean, a, a lot of wholesalers that, that we've tried to network with or, or build relationships with in the past, the market is up right now and they're just selling properties at a point where I can't even, I can't compete. I'm like, thank you yeah. for sending this to me. This is not going to work for me, you know? Right. Um, but I want, I like to get on the phone with people instead of just, you know, a lot of wholesalers are just like, oh, I'll, I'll put you on my email list. Like, right. that's, that's great. You have 2000 people on your email list. Like, let's get on the phone and build a relationship because I want you to come to me first when you have something, because you know that I'm, I'm no nonsense and I'm going to close it and it's not going to be a problem. You don't need to go to your other 2000 people. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Um, but building those relationships. So you're not just an email on their distribution list is so important. How do you build that? So I'm always looking to bring value to the, the people that I work with. So for example, last week I had a wholesaler who I met. It was my first time meeting him, walking through one of his properties. And he mentioned to me how he's looking to expand into another market. I'd happened to have a quick conversation with somebody looking to learn to wholesale in that market. I don't yeah. wholesale, but I was like, oh, what a good connection. I can connect you with her. She can be boots on the ground for you. You can help her learn how to wholesale. And now you have somebody to go into that market and look at houses for you. So now I'm in contact with him. We're already looking at another deal with them. Like we've created a win-win situation and we could, you know, that helps bolster the relationship. So it's not just thinking what you can get out of it. Exactly. But I love that because it, yeah. it's all about building those relationships that can help you more in, in the long term. A lot of people think that real estate, especially is just, just one off, like just one deal and that's it. But building the relationships can get, can allow you to get even to more opportunities, many more deals in the years to come. So exactly. And, and we have a hairy one that, that we're dealing with now, but I've built such a relationship with this wholesaler that he just gave me the seller's phone number. 
he's like, I, I don't know where to go with this. Can you just call him, you know, and speak to him directly? So if I didn't, mm -hmm. if I hadn't spent the time building the relationship, that deal probably just would have been dead. Yeah. Yeah. Now for, for anybody that wants to learn more about you or, or connect with you, what is the best way for them to, to find out more? Um, the best way to connect with me is probably Instagram. I'm that land lady on Instagram. Um, I don't have quite a following like Felipe, but <laughs> I'm, I'm on there, you know, I'm on there on and off. So I, I saw it and, you, me over there. and you have some really good content. Yeah. You have really good content. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Kayla, is there anything that we, that you were like, man, I wish they would have asked me this before we get out of here. I don't think so. You guys are pretty thorough. I like this format. <laughs> I liked this a lot. Thank you guys so much for having me. No, absolutely. Kayla, thank you for coming on, sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, actionable steps, mindset, like everything that you do is powerful. And like we talked earlier, like I think a lot of times in podcasts, there's just a lot of hibbity hoop blah about how many doors I have and like how rich my parents are. But there's never like, <laughs> well, how did you do it though? Because like I've listened to thousands, literally I could probably say thousands of podcasts and I'm like more than half are not action. They're all like, this is how I get rich and you know, come join my mastermind or something. I don't know. But like, I love that you were able to give us a little bit more meat on the bones. So thank you so much for that. I know the listeners are really going to appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, Kayla. Well, we will see you later. Bye, Kayla. Bye. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.